The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Raising the Bar with your host, Amy Bredo. Do you ever listen to that inner voice? The one that tells you that you can achieve great things just by giving yourself a little push? Making that voice heard is what this show is all about. What if you could turn your negatives into positives? You'll hear from others who have embraced that personal drive and will help you raise the bar. Now, here is Amy Bredo. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Raising the Bar. Happy Thursday. I'm Amy Bredo. Pretty excited to introduce uh, today's guest. He has been harder to get on this show than anybody that's like super, super famous. So I feel his level of fame maybe even unknown to him. Uh, I'd like to introduce to you Mr. Pat Tomasulo, who is a news anchor here on WGN. He's a the infamous one and only famous sportscaster here, the only one that counts, actually. Very funny guy, and I'm really excited to bring him to you today. He also does some great philanthropic work, which we will talk about, and he is also an excellent father to his dog. So I wanted to make sure that I mentioned that. So, Pat, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Oh, it is, it is my pleasure. I think uh, your inability to get me on the show has much less to do with my fame and more <laughs> so to do with me being horrendous at replying to emails. So don't <laughs> make my head too big. I, I'm an idiot. That's why you haven't had me on yet. <laughs> well, if I would have figured out a way to stalk you personally, I would have done that. But I tried to be professional before I got creepy. Now that yeah. I have you, now that I've got you, like, just wait. Yeah, now my it, brain, now it'll be I can't, I get, you know, you get so many of these emails and these messages on Facebook and through the station, and my brain can just not handle some of these messages, so sometimes I just have to not look at them for a couple of days, and then they add up, and then I forget, and so it's my uh, fault, but I'm happy that we've <laughs> finally connected. For now, don't make me unhappy in another 20 minutes. Oh my gosh, no, not at all. I was just teasing you. I really appreciate your time. So I have to tell you, I am from Chicago. I'm a Chicago yeah. girl. I've watched you on the news for years. I'm pretty sure I'm probably older than you. However, I have been a fan for a long time. And I have to say, thank you for changing the world of media for me because that morning show is hysterical. And anybody that can um, enjoy the WGN news, whether they're in state or out of state, they're pretty lucky because you know once that morning show passes, forget it. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. It is uh I I do agree that it is a very very special show. But it's it's a it's a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing because we get to do whatever the hell we want on this show, <laughs> but it's a curse because we've all guaranteed we'll never work any place ever again in our <laughs> professional lives. Cuz nobody would take us after after the damage we've done here. Well, I think that if you dress up like Hulk Hogan and whatever interview you go on next, you're pretty much guaranteed the job. Yeah, let's see. Let's see Strahan do that on Good Morning America. Let's see. Let's oh. see Ginger Z disguise herself as Bernie Sanders. 
it'll never happen. <laughs> you know, I was reading your bio on your website, which is patthomasulo.com for our listeners, yeah. because, um, you know, looking at it a few months ago, you had a story about how you were a comedian as a, as a little kid. And that's kind of how your comedy thing started. And it, interestingly, um, when I started this show, I just wanted to have you on because I thought you were funny. So I was yeah. really, really excited to learn like, oh, he actually does something with the funny. Yeah. Like, you have to job. come. You have to come to a show at some point, a stand-up I, show. Yeah, I saw there's one tomorrow, and I'm like, huh, maybe I should make my way down there. Right? Yeah, there is one, and then at the end of the month, there's uh, I'm doing two headlining shows in Rosemont. Oh, that's even closer Zane, to me, right? Yes, yes, yes. But I think the ones in Rosemont are actually when I'm out of town. So I thought maybe I'll make a good effort and get down there tomorrow. Yeah, well, you let me know if you're coming, and I would be happy to put you on a guest list. If you put me on the guest list, I will be there. How about that? Yeah, that's only because I don't get a door deal. If I was getting a door deal, I'd make you pay. But I'm not getting paid any extra <laughs> if 20 people go or 200. So, yeah, I'm happy to put you on the door deal. Thank you for that. I will be there. Can I get a plus one? Uh, who are you bringing? You know, like probably a girlfriend. Husband's okay, out of town. Okay, yeah, that's fine. Okay, sweet. Sure. Sweet. We'll what else there. do you want? You want dinner, too? What else can I put on the I do like food. I feel like it's necessary to my life. Yeah. Be more than happy to have you. All right. We will discuss those details. Thank you. That's exciting. Yeah. Tell me, tell me the name of this character, please, because I somehow remember you saying you were either doing stand-up in your underwear or you were naked or the name was Larry. No, I, oh, what is the, that? Oh, the Johnny Lenny show. That's Johnny what you're Lenny. referring to. I don't really remember. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's been ingrained in my memory just from the anecdotes from my parents and my family through the years. But apparently when I was a kid, I would strip down naked <laughs> and run into the living room with a pretend microphone, not like a like an object that was a microphone, like an air microphone, and I would sing and dance as Johnny Lenny. That was my three-year-old alter ego. I have no recollection of doing this myself, but I'm told that I was a uh, I was I had a regular uh, gig in my parents' living room. I was the resident performer there. Uh, so yeah, that was I guess the seeds were sown at a very young age. Were you the classroom clown? Uh, yes and no. Like maybe I think like when I was younger, I was, but then I went through like that awkward fat kid stage for a while where I kind of became a little bit more introverted. And then, uh, probably once I got into college again, I started, uh, to discover that side again. But like, I don't, I don't know that I was like uh, a universal class clown. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. You were like the, were you like the secret weapon funny man or were you just always funny? Because you know, there's those people you'll meet that like, you don't see it coming. Yeah. I, uh, no, I don't, I think, I think, uh, my personality is the type that there's nothing that you don't see coming. There's, (laughs) there's not much that's very subversive about my, uh, uh, personality. Uh, so I think when I tapped into those, uh, those qualities and those, uh, strengths, they were, they were definitely known. What was it that made you, you know, I laughed when I, you know, I was watching some of the, some of the, your things on YouTube and when you went yeah. on live with Regis and um, Kelly, excuse me, and, you know, talking about how you became like a mini Ted Koppel and all that. What was it that um, really intrigued you about broadcasting? I'm just curious. Um, well, I'm trying to, you know, I think. Uh, journalism. Like, yeah, yeah, that that was ne- that never seemed like the kind of thing that was uh, an option, you know. Uh, right. Growing up, like you know, I grew up in a very blue collar area. Both of my parents were, you know, nine to five workers. My dad was a, a, a 
for the power company in New York City, and my mom was an office manager, and you know, so nobody ever, you know, you get a job, you stay where you are, you get married, and you know, that's uh, you have kids, and you know, you you do it all over again, which is great, you know, for some, for right. some people. So there, I was never exposed to any of that. Um, so I know, it was in college that I was, you know, I kind of grew up in that age of Sports Center when it really kind of got big and I and I saw how some of those guys like would go off and do other comedic things and I knew I wanted to do something funny but I had no idea that like you know moving to LA or New York and being an actor or a comedian was something um that was even a viable option you know right so I thought uh I also love sports and I always thought being a sportscaster would be cool and it'd be a good way to kind of combine the two and hopefully, you know, branch out and do some other stuff besides sports or in addition to sports. And worst case scenario, I could, you know, I thought I was, I could be a sportscaster for, uh, forever, but it wasn't, I didn't make that decision until I tried like doing the campus TV station and, uh, it just came pretty, pretty easily, pretty naturally. So that was kind of when I made the decision to, uh, to kind of, go that route, which was crazy enough as it was, you know, because you have to move across the country. I started in really small markets and um, kind of bounced around the country a little bit, um, you know, learning the uh, the business. But, um, you know, it wasn't until I really got to Chicago that I started doing comedic stuff kind of on a, a permanent uh, basis or as a, as a permanent uh, supplement of, of what I was doing with sports. That's awesome. You know, I think about when you're making that decision to go into journalism or broadcasting, and it gives me like anxiety, like hives about a news writing class I took in college. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, you know, I was one of those people that switched from, I actually, I, my degree is in graphic design, but I was like, you know, maybe I want to do something different. Maybe I'll go into journalism. Maybe I'll do this. And I had like the scariest teacher in the world. And I was like, nope, that's it. Back to the art degree. Sure. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you survived. So when you so you're from New Jersey. Yeah. And and you do not talk like, you know, Polly D or right. Snooky. You did make a comment about the area you grew up in had the really big hair. Did you do yeah. the big, you know, the big pompadour in college? Were you like the Z Cavarici kind of guy when you went on, you know, really got into your college media life? Well, I will I will <laughs> say this. When I lived in New Jersey, I uh, I did um, work out like a maniac and consume nice. more protein than any human being should in an attempt <laughs> to be as big as possible. Mm-hmm. Why? Not because I was playing any sports, but because that's what you do in New Jersey. And you tan and you shave your body hair. And it wasn't until I moved out of there that I realized, huh, this is the only part of the country where people do this. So what had seemed normal to me for 22 years uh, suddenly, you know, the light, the light shone and I, and I realized, I don't think I want to continue to do this anymore. So yes, I definitely had those, uh, some of those tendencies. I will say this. I never really spoke like that, uh, <laughs> mainly because I graduated high school. Uh, so, you know, I'm an educated man. Uh, so no, I've never really had that, that, that crazy accent. Um, but, but yes, I certainly did have, uh, those, those style and, and health tendencies for sure growing up in New Jersey. If you ever miss it and you want to venture out to Crystal Lake, Illinois, where my gym is, I can introduce you to some interesting characters. You got a lot of meatheads there? (laughs) 
Well, I do some competing myself, and um, yeah. I have we have some meatheads. We have some uh, yeah, and but a whole, that's the whole you're, spectrum. They're great. But you're competing. Like you're not just you're not like an accountant who's doing that. No, do you know what I mean. Like, like you have a reason to do that, and to you know. Yeah, it's still kind of stupid. <laughs> I will say this. It's hard on your body. I'm 42 years old. I'm not really sure what I have to prove, but I enjoy the rhinestone bathing suits, you know, right. a couple times yeah, a year. Who wouldn't so who, enjoy who those? Those are outstanding. Yeah. Who, I who love rhinestone bathing suits and I don't even compete. So there's nothing, <laughs> nothing strange about that. I'm pretty good at making them. I could send you a custom job and, and you, you might really appreciate that. And that could I actually be a good a uh, cash doing that too. pat on the street thing. We got to talk about awesome. that. <laughs> so after you left New Jersey, forgive me if I have my information confused right now. Did you head right towards Wisconsin? Did you go I to did. Buffalo yeah, yeah. first? I, I, uh, I, gra- what did I, I graduated college in May, and I moved to Wisconsin in October. I was a, uh, I was a wedding DJ, again, to nice. solidify my Jersey standing. I was a, uh, a wedding DJ through college, and I had some some gigs that I needed to do before moving on. Uh, but truthfully, it took me that long to find a job because there's not a lot of sportscasting jobs in local television. And right. so, yeah, I moved out to uh, Wisconsin to work at the NBC station there uh, and stayed there for about three years and then moved to Buffalo for a little under two years, probably a year and a half to two years, and then uh, came to Chicago in October, was it October or July of 2005. That's, you know what, that's a pretty impressive career because you didn't really have to go that many places before landing here. And I hope that we always keep you, you know, in the, in the last few minutes, um, just before our first break, you know, let's talk about the crew of people that you work with. So you've got Larry, you've got Paul, you've got Robin, you know, um, you've got Anna. She's funny. She's really funny too. I saw that she's kind of involved with some of your laugh your face off stuff, which we're we're going to talk about. But do you feel like you had kind of an instant camaraderie with the people that you worked with, or was it kind of hard to settle in? Um, a little of both, you know, because this is such a uh, you know, like Larry, Robin, and Paul are the three who've who've been here from the beginning. So, you know, they've built this thing from from the ground up. So, you know, when you come into a situation like this, you kind of have to figure out where you fit in. Um, in terms of, you know, you can't just come in and try and run roughshod over everybody. You know, it's definitely uh, an ensemble cast. But immediately you know that you all share the same sensibilities, which is very rare to have, you know, five to seven news people in news who all have the same, um, you know, sensibilities just about not just about like news, but about life and about um, comedy and about, you know, a lot of news people try to be funny or think they're funny and it comes off horribly. Whereas I think we have a lot of people who are genuinely funny people and who all kind of have the same viewpoint and sensibility about how the show should be. Each one has, you know, degrees of difference, which is what makes the show what it is, but we're all pretty much on the same page. And that, that was evident immediately. That's awesome. I, I know the, um, that chemistry between all of you is, is very apparent. You all ap- appeared even from, you know, years back when you first started that you were all very good friends right away. Yeah. And I don't know, I just, it just makes kind of watching the news a more comfortable, fun, familiar thing to do in kind of a land where everything 
sucks more often than not. So right. I can just tell you from my standpoint that it's appreciative for everybody watching that it's like, thank God, like, you know you're going to laugh watching you guys. So yeah. we're going to go to a quick break. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, and then no. when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about your crazy shenanigans at WGN and some of your comedy. You're listening to Raising the Bar with Pat Tomasulo and me, Amy Bredo, and we will be right back. Have you considered expanding your family through adoption, but don't know where to start? Are you looking to get some answers and direction on how and where to start? Reach out to the community at the Echo Foundation. The Echo Foundation offers five distinct areas of support. For those children in need throughout the world, we are here to support you and guide you through your process and beyond. For more information, please visit amybrado.com and click on the Echo Foundation. That's amybrado.com and click the Echo Foundation. Are you ready for a health, life, and empowerment show in one? Then be sure to listen every week for Living Well with Ann Beal. Ann takes her long-running TV show to the Internet Talk Radio Airwaves with guest experts and insight designed to help you live a healthy and successful life. By hearing from the experts and those who have found success, our goal is that you too will be motivated to do the same. Living Well with Ann Beal can be heard every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. There are over 147 million orphans and at-risk children in the world. It's a global problem, but you can make a huge difference. You can help from home or on the ground serving opportunities. Please visit amybrado.com and click on the Echo Foundation tab to request more information. Our vision is to build a self-sustaining ecosystem of ideas, individuals, and organizations equipped to carry out the mission of hope for every orphan in the world. Help us with our goal of helping every child in need. Visit amybrado.com. You're listening to Raising the Bar with Amy Bredo. We'd love to hear from you with any comments or questions about the show. The email address is amy.raisingthebar at gmail.com. That's amy.raisingthebar at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. And welcome back to Raising the Bar. I'm Amy Bredo, and today we're talking with Mr. Pat Tomasulo, a character, a funny guy, a sportscaster. I like to sound like I'm very professional there. What do you think about that, Pat? That was outstanding. That was the Thank best you. introduction I've gotten all day. You're welcome for that. You know, I like to consider myself a professional, even if I am sitting in my family room with my dog right now. <laughs> no worries. Um, we were talking about the chemistry between you and the news crew and um, humor. And, you know, I, th- I was thanking you for bringing that out in the morning, too, with kind of the way the state of the world is today. And um, let's talk a little bit more about – so now you're in Chicago. You got here in 2005. You always were the funny guy. Did you practice or do stand up before you came to Chicago ever? No, I never. I never did stand up until I was. Uh, I was here, like you know, because there was really no opportunity to do it in Wisconsin or in um, 
in Buffalo, there were really no no clubs, and you know you you work so many hours when you're first starting out in this business that there's not a ton of time for it. So no, I didn't start here. I didn't start doing stand up until probably until I'd even been working here for about four years, five years. I figured it best to really solidify my position on the show first before I went out <laughs> and said something stupid on stage and and got fired. Right. Uh, like if if I'm good, if if they like me enough on the show, then I have a little goodwill if I do something stupid. Got ya. Now, were you dating Amy already when you came to Chicago? Uh, yeah, we. I met my wife in Rhinelander. As a matter of fact, I oh, was there okay. for a uh, yeah. I was there for a year uh, before I met her. The longest year of my life. Yeah, uh, Wisconsin. Yeah, it was so the first like that took seasonal depression to a level that I can't even comprehend. We were frozen over by mid-October, mid-end mid-October, and oh. I didn't see grass until the end of April. And you probably didn't feel sun until July. No, it was the I mean, once it gets warm there, it gets warm quick. But it was the most miserable. I mean, it was like one of the most brutal winters that they had had. Like, it was, you know, 45 below with the wind chill on Christmas Day that year. Like, just brutally cold. Uh, and then I met her, and then it became a lot more tolerable. Oh, that's sweet. I feel like, aren't the winters pretty long out east, though? Yeah, but they're nothing compared to northern Wisconsin. Like, northern Wisconsin is consistently 15 to 20 degrees colder than Chicago. Oh, yeah, I would hate that. I have a hard enough time with Chicago. Yeah, it was like we would drive to Green Bay for Packer games to cover Packer games, and it would be like, ah, oh, it's going to be 10 degrees warmer in Green Bay. <laughs> it was like Hawaii. It was awful. So Lambeau Field is basically the tropics of Wisconsin. Compared to Pretty much, yeah, yeah. Madison might be even even nicer, uh, but yeah, compared to <laughs> where, where I was living, yes. Oh my gosh! So what? Okay, so you wanted to make sure you had a solid job before you did something stupid and got fired. Fortunately, that has not happened, and I'm thinking yeah, remarkably. I'm knock, knock on wood here. So what was it that just made you say like, "All right, I'm doing this"? And 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 where did you go? Like, who do you call? Did you just say like, "Hey, I'm Pat Tomasulo, and I want to come in there and get on your stage"? I uh, no, I was not going to uh, make my onstage debut here. I waited <laughs> until I was in L.A. Oh. Um, and I was out there taking some meetings and meeting, you know, different production companies and network people. And I was like, I'm going to do stand-up out here because there are a billion open mics. And so I had my little list of all the open mics that were going on and where they were. And I tried getting on at the Laugh Factory open mic, um, but they were all filled up. So I was like, well, I have tonight open. Where else is there an open mic? And I was like, oh, El Cid Mexican Restaurant. I'll do my my." comedy debut there so i trucked it out to el cid and it was one of those pay to get on so you had to pay like five bucks to get on the open mic oh wow and i, and I asked the guy I was like hey you guys get a lot of the stand-ups here and he's like uh yeah yeah we get we get a lot and he was clearly lying to me okay. so i paid my five dollars and i sat in the audience and watched it just a procession of folk singers go up and no. poetry people and then I was probably one of the last people, and they brought me up to do my stand-up. 
And like I, even to this day, I don't think I've ever performed in front of a crowd that looked that angry at me. Uh, I literally walked half the room. Like people were just getting up and leaving uh, during my set. But then I was like, at some point, you get like this outer body experience, and you're like, you know what? I paid my five dollars. I'm finishing my set. Damn it! And so I finished my my seven minute, and it was brutal. And I was like, oh, I'm never doing that again. And then the next night, I was I had more free time, and I went to a comedy club that night just to watch an open mic. And this time it was at a comedy club where people are actually going to hear jokes. And I saw some of the people go up, and they were absolutely awful. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to try it again. And then I went up, and I crushed an nice. open mic. I mean, there's like 20 people there. But I crushed the open mic with the same routine. And I was like, oh, I'm not so terrible after all. And then that gave me the confidence to start doing some shows uh, around here, where I bombed just as equally hard a number of times. But, uh, you know, since then have obviously uh, learned how to do this. Honed some skills. Yeah, I would hope so. You, you know, I talked to another comedian recently, and we were talking, you know, and he was uh, he's a good storyteller. And so I was sharing some of my stories with him. And, you know, my mom, when I was a single mom, and she bartended at the Comedy Womb in Lyons. Oh, when boy. I, when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. So, like, Arsenio Hall started there, Emo yeah. Films. I know he's different. You know, and I always kind of just thought that was, like, the greatest life. Like, I want to do that. And then I, you tell me this story about bombing and people getting angry and walking out. And I don't know if that's more nerve-wracking than bombing and having people stay. But it kind of makes me want to throw up. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, so what do you do? What do you do when you're in that moment and you're – sucking it and people are just, you just staring keep at going. you. I mean, I'm at a point now where like, you know, even, I mean, listen, Louis CK, when he's testing new material is going to eat it. You know, I mean, you can't, right. you can't like be above bombing, you know, like you can't, you're going to bomb, especially right. when you're, when you're working out new material, you know, like, you know, I was, did a drop in the other night at Zany's and I was working some new stuff and, um, I don't know. You get to a point, you just don't care. You know, you just, right. like, you know, you know, you can do it. If it's not hitting that night, there's, you know, it's not fun. I'm not going to say it's fun, <laughs> but it doesn't, uh, it's not like miserable after a while either, you know? Yeah. You know, I was posting about on Facebook this morning that I was going to talk to you today and a bunch of people were commenting like, oh, I saw him and he was so funny. And I think that, I mean, you are, you just are very, and I say this, like, I know you really personally, but right. wait till I do. It'll be great. But I'm just saying, like, just watching you on the street or watching you on TV, I think you you appear and you come off as very approachable. So I think people automatically like you and they want to like you. And I think that works in your favor. Like, yeah. so there's been times in my life where I've been kind of a dumbass or a jerk hole to somebody. So I don't want them at my show. Yeah. <laughs> or I well, don't maybe I, want them listening today. Believe me, there are plenty of people who are in the audience sometimes who, who dislike me from my work on here uh, <laughs> as well. I mean, I can be very, uh, very polarizing uh, as well. But, that, you know, that's part of it. That's part of the, you know, if you're, uh, if you're doing anything in the creative space and you have any, uh, any modicum of talent, there are going to be people who just dislike you. You know, you need like you know, a T-shirt that says "Haters gonna hate." No, I'm just of course, yeah, I don't care. All these <laughs> morons on Facebook and calling right. into this thing, mean, whatever. I don't. It doesn't matter to me. I'm going to do what I do. And if you like it, you like it. You don't, you don't. I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. That's awesome, and that's such a great attitude to have. You know, I was reading about you, and it said that you're a writer, and you've been pitching all these different ideas to 
networks? Are you trying to get things published? Are you pitching TV shows? No, ideas? most of the stuff I pitched was, uh, was it. I haven't pitched much in a while, but um, just like TV show ideas, different production companies, prank show ideas, stuff like that. Um, th- those were some of the things that, that I had uh, I had pitched. No, no, no book or, or really formal written uh, ideas or, or anything like that, but mainly just show concepts. And so do you not want to talk about anything in specific? Is it still, is this like a secret weapon for you or something that's still in your back pocket? I was just curious, like as far as the prank shows. I don't, uh, I think one. punk people or. Yeah, one thing. Throw in some magic. One thing we had pitched was a, uh, um, was like a, a prank show where like, you know, you have all of these. Like uh, these shows on like cable where they like these people are experts, like bar experts and reno experts and cupcake experts. And all this not everybody's an expert. So we came up with a concept where each week we made a fake expert show, <laughs> and I would go in as the fake expert, like you know, like uh, like maybe like the first episode, like I'm a landscaping expert and we make a show oh, called the manscaper and we go in and it's completely we're all actors and comedians and we mess with our marks and see how far we can go with disrupting their house and you know like our, <laughs> our big the big landscaping is like you know like a bush like a shrub sculpture of like a guy peeing or something you know like just all <laughs> ridiculous stuff uh which i still love and i still want to get that show made if, if you and need a house another... to destroy let me know because we <laughs> my daughter said we're quote-unquote that house like we have the giant St. Bernard, four kids, a million cars on the cul-de-sac. Like we need some serious weed treatment in the front yard. Um, my husband trample, or travels a lot. We have a dilapidated trampoline. It's pretty – I'm setting a, hu- a really great picture of my home right now. But to have a, a sculpture of a guy peeing I feel like would just be the cherry on top of the sundae. Yeah, you know, like they send the people away. Okay, you know, you guys go and go to Six Flags while we make over, and then they come home, and then it's you know their backyard looks like Caligula, but with bushes and shrubs. <laughs> you know, well, just like a horrible. <laughs> just, <laughs> just to screw with my neighbors would be the best, <laughs> right? So, and just to capture, so that was one, and then I think another one we pitched was a was a talk show in a men's bathroom, which was <laughs> which was not very flushed out, but we uh, we had uh-huh. some traction on that one. Um, but yeah, stuff, dopey stuff like that. You could do a whole episode on like lack of hand washing. Oh yeah. I got a guy, we have a guy at work that never washes his hands, goes straight from the stall, right out of the, right out of the bathroom. And then he sticks his, his, his poopy hands in a big bowl of community (laughs) chips. So I don't eat anything at work. No community chips at WGN. No, I don't eat community anything. No. Mm -mm. Bunch of hyenas I work with. Oh, my God. And you know what? What I'm going to do is when this episode is all ready to go, I'm going to send you the e-card and we're going to blast this all over social media. Speaking of which, those of you listening, I know you're going to want to follow Pat. So you are at Pat Tomasulo on the Twitter. On On the Twitter and on the Instagram. And it looked – I followed you on Instagram this morning. Like I said, now I really – now is when I like to get a little creepy. Yeah, it's kind of a good time. But um, I like that you post your Snapchat videos, your pictures of you kind of um, mocking other news media in, in their yeah. maybe Twitter accounts or uh, Instagrams is hysterical. Yeah. So anybody that just needs a good laugh, please follow Pat at, at Pat Tomasulo on Twitter, Instagram. You can um, follow him on his Facebook page. And so you do handle your own social media, it appears. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, oh, I good times. Yeah, I, uh, I like to make fun of the local news people whose Instagrams are filled with endless selfies of themselves. <laughs> and duck faces. Yeah, I think that's that's what I want to do as a as a forty two year old. Not that I'm forty two, but if I you know these people are like forty two, forty three years old, and they're posting duck faces and kissy faces. The hell is wrong with these people? You know, it's funny. Um, usually on my Raising the Bar Facebook page, I always ask my guests to send me a funny selfie. So yeah. if you if you wouldn't mind texting me a nice original selfie, that would be amazing. What's your Snapchat handle? Is it also Pat Thomas? I have no idea. I don't even use that <laughs> thing. I, I saw it. You're lying because you used a filter and made yourself. I only used one filter, but I don't post anything. The only reason I got on, fa- on Snapchat is so that I could keep tabs <laughs> on my 14-year-old niece. That's awesome. That's the only way she texts me back is if it's on this face chat, uh, Snapchat. I, listen, I got a, I got a job. I got two jobs. I got, I got a life I need to live. I can't be on true. fifteen of these damn things. It's a lot, and you know the nice thing is, is that you can do one and kind of post it to everything. But I will tell you, when you say that that's the only way you can keep tabs with your niece, my daughter this past year was a freshman at University of Kentucky, and that's how we kept in touch every single day. Yeah. Like, I mean, at least she'd be like, hey, mom, what's up? Or here I am. Or, you know, then I'd maybe accidentally get a Snapchat of her drinking or, you know. And But when my son was away at Florida, that was the same thing. I'm like, well, if I have to set this up and anybody that wants to follow me on Snapchat can. My kids thought it would really be funny to name my Snapchat handle Amy Linda. Yeah. Uh, my middle name is Lynn. No offense to anybody named Linda. I'm not really sure where it came from, but you can follow me or find me on Snapchat at Amy Linda, and I'll be happy to uh, send you some, you know, crazy things. Yeah, but... once I figure out how this damn thing works, I'll start <laughs> posting more. But right now, I'm so I'm so freaking clueless. It's okay. And so you're not. So how old are you? I'm going to ask. I'm 38. Oh, so 40s coming. 40s. Yeah. The best. You're going to love it. Uh, I don't think so, but thank you. (laughs) You'll be fine. You'll be fine. Uh, I wanted to make sure we touch base. I would love to hear more about your wife and uh, laugh your face off in a lot of things you do. But we're going to go to break really quick. Uh, We have been talking with Pat Tomasulo, funny man, and um, Amy Bredo. If any of you have any questions for Pat or want to follow him on any social media, please, please follow him on Twitter or Instagram at, at Pat Tomasulo. You can also find him on Facebook. You're listening to Raising the Bar, and we will be right back. There are over 147 million orphans and at-risk children in the world. It's a global problem, but you can make a huge difference. You can help from home or on the ground serving opportunities. Please visit amybredo.com and click on the Echo Foundation tab to request more information. Our vision is to build a self-sustaining ecosystem of ideas, individuals, and organizations equipped to carry out the mission of hope for every orphan in the world. Help us with our goal of helping every child in need. Visit amybredo.com. Get inspired, encouraged, and connected on our lively, award-winning Healthy Living Power Hour. Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany, live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 
Tune in to the Power Party for positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio. Visit StarStyleRadio.com. considered expanding your family through adoption but don't know where to start are you looking to get some answers and direction on how and where to start reach out to the community at the echo foundation the echo foundation offers five distinct areas of support for those children in need throughout the world we are here to support you and guide you through your process and beyond for more information please visit amybrado.com and click on the echo foundation That's amybrado.com and click the Echo Foundation. You're listening to Raising the Bar with Amy Bredo. We'd love to hear from you with any comments or questions about the show. The email address is amy.raisingthebar at gmail.com. That's amy.raisingthebar at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. And again, welcome back to Raising the Bar with me, Amy Bredo, and Pat Tomasillo. Pat, you've been really funny to talk to, and I love that um, you kind of dove into that comedy dream. It encourages me. I'm not sure it'll ever happen, but maybe it will. It's on my bucket list. But I wanted to talk about your wife, Amy, best name ever, by the way, and she spells it right. So kudos to her parents. Just, you know, might want to let her know that I felt that way because I'm sure it's really important to her life to know that. Um, Let's talk about – so you guys met in Wisconsin. Is she yeah. also in broadcasting? No, no, she is not in broadcasting. She was uh, working for uh, her family's home construction business. And how did you meet? We, uh, we met in a bar. Nice. I was so yeah. hoping you were going to throw that, like – Working as a waitress in a cocktail bar. Just kidding. Yeah, I can't well, we, uh, we, you know, it was kind of one of those <laughs> things where uh, she was not from there. She was from okay. uh, she was from Florida, and I was not from there. And we were both uh, kind of thrown into life up there, uh, set to kind of uh, uh, navigate our way through the weeds of single life in a town of seven thousand people. Oh. Uh, and then I saw her, and I saw her, and she saw me, and we both knew right away that neither one of us was from there, and that was immediately the attraction. I was like, "You <laughs> have all of your teeth," and then oh she was like, "You are not wearing a NASCAR jacket," and then we <laughs> hit it off immediately. I'm sorry. That is awesome. You know, and I just, I want to embrace Wisconsin for a moment. Not the yeah. Packers. Packers are not included in that statement ever. However. I love cheese. I love rolling scenery. I have taken yeah. my kids to Wisconsin Dells, and I yeah. do frequent Lake Geneva often. So yeah, oh the Dells, that's uh, that's could like be the scary, Hills could be great. Wisconsin. Depends. Yeah, so I don't want to totally bash Wisconsin, but then again, I kind of do. So you're both trapped in the middle of nowhere. It might as well be Alaska. Are you wearing, like, parkas? Is it winter when you met? Was it, like, that scene where you're, like... Where was it? It was actually the fall when we met. It was, I believe, we met in September of 2002. Okay. I believe. Yeah, September of 2002. So you meet, you have your teeth. What's that? you, You had your teeth. You share your love of really good orthodontics. 
you come together, you start dating, you get the job in Chicago. Do you both move here together? Yeah, well, we, uh, I went to Buffalo first. Oh, that's right. And, and she kind of, uh, she, she lived in both places. She She's lived awesome. in Wisconsin, and she because she had uh, her doctors were out there. Okay. Um, she, as I know, you were going to mention, she has a uh, medical condition, and so her doctors were out there, and it was kind of the same thing when we uh, first moved to uh, Chicago. You know, she had all of her uh, all of her doctors out there, and we don't want to change her. Uh, her medical plan or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So it took her a couple of years. I don't think she was out here full time with me here until about two or three years after we moved to Chicago. Oh, wow. Okay. So it yeah. took a while. So, so let's talk about that because honestly, I found it so interesting. Like I said, I wanted to have you on just because I thought you seemed pretty cool. And then the more I was learning about you um, over the time that I was waiting to hear back from Frankie Jardinier, I stumbled upon your wife's story and her condition, which I would love for you to share with people. I don't think it's it's hugely common, um, and I really like what you're doing to raise awareness and raise funds for it. So I really wanted to just clue our listeners in and how they can learn more about um, the trigeminal trigeminal sorry um, neuralgia. It's 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 nerve related facial pain, right? Is that yeah. it? okay? It's it is. It's a uh, so trigeminal neuralgia is a uh, is a malfunction or a dysfunction um, of of the trigeminal nerve, which is you have two of them, one on each side of your face. It's, it's the two largest nerves that that come out of the brain, okay. and each nerve controls feeling on a side of your face. So what happens is it's a disease that somehow. Uh, the nerve gets damaged. Um, they're, they're not exactly sure why in all instances. In some instances, it's because the nerve gets tangled up with a, uh, a blood vessel or an artery. Other times, there is no, uh, no known cause for it, and it causes just immense uh, pain in your face. Doctors classify it as, as the worst pain known to mankind. Wow. Um, in, some, in some circles, they refer to it. I know a lot of people don't like to refer to it as this because they think it gives it a bad stigma. But in some instances, it is true. They refer to it as the suicide disease because the pain is so excruciating uh, that a lot of people um, can't handle it. Um, right. Which is which is completely understandable. It, it causes just intense. Uh, I mean, there are different variations of it that I, you know that I can get into, but essentially, it, it causes intense uh, stabbing, searing, burning, jabbing uh, pain uh, in your face um, with attacks that can last anywhere from seconds to hours to to days. Um, you know, depending on the the type of trigeminal neuralgia you have. I, I can't imagine, and as I was reading up on it, I, I, it did say in there that, it, you know, it people were very contemplative of suicide or have committed suicide because yeah. that pain is so bad. And I'm sorry that your wife has to struggle with that. That has to be, you know, when I read that even just a simple kiss on the cheek can can trigger that, it's... Um, that's hard. That's difficult. You know. Yeah. Any. You know. The triggers are. You know. You can't touch that side of the face. Breeze. Wind. You know. Putting on makeup. Putting on. Uh, you know. You know. There. There are two different kinds. There's. There's the typical trigeminal neuralgia, which is. Uh, you know. You can live a normal life, and then you get attacks 
you know, you can get, you could just attacks that will cripple you. And then there's the atypical kind, which is what Amy has, where she has just a baseline of, of moderate pain constantly okay. in addition to the, to the breakthrough attacks. Um, some people have, you know, the, the, the nerve has three branches, one above your forehead, one uh, near your cheek, and one under your jaw. Some people only have one branch or two branches. She has all three branches, so she gets pain in all three spots. Um, and there are people who have it worse than her. There are some people who have extremely rare cases where both sides of their face are impacted. Most people only have one side of their face impacted. There are some people whose trigeminal neuralgia is so bad where, where both sides of their face are impacted. Some of them have occipital neuralgia as well where they get uh, you know that kind of pain in the back of their head as well. Some people have... Um, a condition called anesthesia dolorosa, where all they feel on one side of their face is they have no sensation except for pain. So they have Ugh. numbness, you know, in other words, anesthesia numbness all the time, except for the excruciating pain. Some people get burning mouth and burning throat syndrome in addition to it. So um, there are so many variables in, involved in, in ways that, that the disease can be, uh, can be even more excruciating. So the research on this is crucial in, in raising the funds for the research on this. And, you know, yeah. what is the, it's not a high, is it a high percentage of people that have this or are more people being diagnosed as the research kind of unfolds? No, people- I, I think both. I think, uh, I think a lot of people don't get diagnosed because there's still just a, um, a glaring lack of awareness. Right. For the disease, you know, we've heard from so many people since we started doing our fundraiser and making these videos, people who've gotten diagnosed because they had an idea of what they might have. And they've gone to their doctors and said, hey, I think I might have this trigeminal neuralgia. I work with a person, as a matter of fact, who, who kind of uh, was made aware of the disease through this and was diagnosed with it, uh, you know, a, a mild case. Um, but, yeah, I think, um, you know, I think there's... I think the number is about 400,000 in the U.S. or maybe less than that. But I I tend to think there are thousands of people who probably do have it and who've not been diagnosed just because their, their doctor or dentist or neurologist is not familiar with it. So your whole um, Laugh Your Face Off Foundation, you created to raise funds in order to support the Facial Pain Research Foundation. Do I have that information right? Yeah, it's uh, the Facial Pain Research Foundation is a uh, is a group out of Gainesville okay. uh, that was started by a couple of businessmen and some scientists, all who uh, either had trigeminal neuralgia and technically you never get rid of it, but there are some people do find relief with surgeries. Um, there are people who either have it, had it, or have family members who have uh, who have dealt with it, and what they've done is. Uh, they do, and we continue to do. I'm one of the trustees for them now. We we fund uh, research projects. Uh, scientists will come to us with with ideas of, of research that they would like to do, and, and we run it by our medical advisory board. And if it is uh, something that, that seems like it uh, has potential, we'll provide seed money for them to begin their uh, research, depending on you know the outcome of that research, will continue to either fund them or, in some instances, the NIH, the National Institute of Health, will will pick them up uh, as they did with one of our research projects. And obviously, their pockets are uh, 
are much much deeper than ours. We have pretty deep pockets, but that's you know that's the government. They can give you right. a lot more. Um, and so right now, I believe we have five or six uh, projects in different stages right now, all different and unique in their approaches to uh, try trying to cure the uh, cure the disease. I really think that's amazing, and I, like I said, I'm so thankful that um, you were able to come on today and talk about this because this whole this whole show is about basically encouraging people to kind of get off the rear and do something. And I think yeah. you know you're doing an awesome thing. You're utilizing your talent, and what a testament of love to your wife. Um, I like to get sappy here for a moment, so I mm. I, I don't want to you know, patronize it by saying it's so sweet, but it, it really is such a testimony to how much you love your wife and how important it is for you to see her, to see her and, and everybody else affected by this living comfortably if possible. Um, is this a, a genetic issue or do, like, like you said, it could be something with the well, nerves? That's, or that's one of the, uh, we don't know. I mean, that's, that's one of the, uh, that's the focus of one of the research projects. You know, okay. um, examining whether whether there's a genetic predisposition because there more than likely is. You know, it, it's kind of like um, like I have two bulging discs in my neck, right? Not to the point where if a, if a surgeon were to look at them, would be like, oh my goodness, we need to operate on this. Right. But he he could say, oh, there's a slight bulge there and a slight bulge there. Well, maybe a hundred people could be walking around with the same you know anatomical issues and have no pain. Right. Um, there are people who have, you know, one of the, like I said, one of the, one of the causes of the trigeminal neuralgia is a compression of the nerve because of a blood vessel or an artery. You know, you could have a thousand people who show up on an MRI with those compressions, but have no pain. And right. then you can have that one person that has trigeminal neuralgia. So, um, you know, there, there more than likely is some kind of genetic component. I don't know if it's hereditary, but I'm sure there is some kind of genetic com- component at play. Um, but, uh, we, we don't have any concrete evidence of that just yet, but, but the, but the idea is that the theory is that yes, there is probably some genetic component. Right. So let's talk about, um, laugh your face off. Yeah. How did this all come about? I know we, um, you know, we probably have a few minutes here. I think it's a great, great idea, a great way yeah. to get great comics together for a good cause and make an evening. I saw you had an event in January. Um, was this your, this was your second event that you did yeah, in 2016? Yeah, this is our second one. We, uh, we raised uh, 75000 which wow. was, uh, we, we had a matching uh, grant from the McKnight Brain Institute at the University of Florida. So we ended up raising about 150000 uh, for the foundation. We always talked about doing something like that, but we just needed, you know, a little, uh, little motivation to get off our ass and do it. And then, uh, somebody, cause you know, we heard of the fact, we didn't know who to raise the money for, you know, we kind of heard of the foundation. We kind of had not. And then somebody had gotten in touch with us about, uh, somebody had organized a fundraiser for the foundation. It was a fashion show, okay. um, at Navy pier. And we, we got in touch with her, a woman named Lori Meltzer, um, who put together this this fashion show, and the the head of the foundation was there, and we struck up a conversation, and I saw that uh, someone had been able to put together a fundraiser, and I thought, well, if she was able to do it, there's no excuse that I have with the resources at my disposal from WGN can't put something together like this. Um, and I'm, I, I work at the Laugh Factory regularly. I have an extremely close relationship with them over there. So they right. uh, worked with me uh, 
immediately with putting that together. And uh, I have enough friends in the business of, of comedy that wanted to volunteer their time. And uh, so we, we put it together on, on the fly. And remarkably, the first year we did it, it could not have turned out more perfectly. Awesome. Um, and then we, we did it again for year two. We're going to be doing it again in, in 2017. We're exploring some ways to make it a little bit bigger, none that I can really uh, comment on just yet. Gotcha. However, I advise you to go to laughyourfaceoff.org for more information and to keep abreast of our details for next year. You can join up uh, our mailing list on laughyourfaceoff.org. There's a link to do so there. Um, so you can keep updated. We'll, uh, we, we're hoping to have some news to share in the next uh, couple of months. That's awesome. And I'm glad you um, pitched that because I was absolutely going to just do that. So again, go to laughyourfaceoff.org, get involved, read about how you can help sponsor the events, correct? How you can donate yeah. and how you can get involved and get your tickets early uh, because you won't want to miss this event. I know yeah, that we, is, is it going to be in January again? We just it have most a, likely will. Uh, there's okay. a chance it may be pushed back, but most that's, that's kind of what we're working on right now. More than likely it will be in January. And yeah, if uh, if there's any any small businesses out there or big businesses out there who want to jump on board as a sponsor, uh, there's there's a link to our email on the Laugh Your Face Off uh, webpage. You know that's that's where a majority of our our money comes in from. We you know we offer a lot of great packages, tickets, and advertising um, opportunities. We run a lot of commercials on radio and TV, so um, there are a lot of opportunities there. I'm definitely going to be putting it on my calendar as that information becomes available. And who doesn't want to go out in the middle of January in Chicago? (laughs) Right. (laughs) So in our last few moments here, I just wanted to thank you so much for – sharing a little, you know, a lot of your story, sharing about your wife, Amy, and um, just kind of being open to having a good time with me this morning. Anybody who is listening, again, please uh, follow this funny man on social media, on Twitter, Instagram, at Pat Tomasulo, and make sure you get on um, laughyourfaceoff.org. This is something I think a lot of people need to be aware of, and there's so many ways and levels that you can help. So, Pat, thank you so much for your time. You've been My listening pleasure. To- Yeah, yeah. It's awesome. I'm so excited that you're here. You've been listening to Raising the Bar with me, Amy Bredo. Until next time, have a great day. Thank you for tuning in to Raising the Bar. Please listen for another edition with your host, Amy Bredo, next Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, get out there and keep raising the bar. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.